The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Welcome to Baptism Sunday! Okay, so that was my best Oprah, so I'm sorry if that offends you, but anyway, I was doing my best to do that. So, um, Hey, today is Baptism Sunday. I'm excited about it, and uh, we're gonna baptize some individuals here in just a little bit. That's why if this is your first time and you see me up here and you're like, why is he wearing shorts and flip-flops? This is not normal. And uh, earlier I had my towel around my waist and I was saying mahalo to people, so you're welcome for that. But... Um, if you're looking for a spot to land in scripture, you can go ahead and go to Acts chapter two. If you got a Bible, if you got a smartphone with a Bible app, Acts chapter two is great as well. Um, go ahead and turn there. Um, I do wanna begin today with a basic confession. And that confession is, um, I've always loved chicken ramen. So anybody else out there? I don't know, like there's, yeah, some of us. And I know some of you, you immediately move right to, there is no nutritional value in top ramen. And I get that. It's like sodium and I don't even know what else, but anyway, mostly that, and that's not a great thing, but it is an incredible comfort food. And, and if you, you know, take the time to, to make ramen and you sit there with it, and there's something about the bowl, especially when there's a lot of noodles that you can get a whole bunch because there's nothing worse than fishing for the last few at the end. Anybody recognize what I'm saying? Okay, a couple of you. Um, so anyway, and, and you're here today going, okay, you're talking about ramen. I don't know why I'm even in church. Like what is going on here? Um, and there is a reason. What I love about ramen, one of the things I really love about top ramen is its simplicity. Like, what does it take to make ramen? Well, the noodles in the little package, okay? And a pan, and then just add water, right? That's basically it. I think you heat it for three minutes, three and a half minutes, add the little garbage sugar packet thing, or not sugar, salt, and, um, and it is what it is. I, I say that because uh, it is simple, and the truth is, when we talk today about baptism, it's pretty simple too. And you're like, did he seriously just make an analogy from ramen to baptism? Like, that is the most pitiful thing I've ever heard, and some of you are ready to leave because this is the most ridiculous message you've ever heard, and I get that, okay? So, but I want to talk today a bit about the simplicity because it does matter. And in Acts chapter 2, something happens that I believe is significant for what's going to happen today. In a little while from now, you're going to hear some different individuals are going to line up and, and, and share a bit of their story and what God has been doing in their hearts to bring them to a spot today where they want to get water baptized. And again, if you're new to the Grove, you've never been here before, um, I'm excited because um, during this, this crazy season of COVID, um, this is the first time we've done baptisms like this in over a year and a half. Um, we did it at Lake Stevens and we baptized 19 people a while back. Uh, we did it in the lobby, trying to be careful of large crowds and all that was going on. Um, and so this is the first time we're back in this room being able to celebrate. And it is one of my favorite Sundays because especially in a series that we call This is Church, this is church. Church is very much about people and people are very much about stories and how God is working in human hearts, amen? amen. And so when you look at Acts chapter two, to go back to it, what happens is um, it follows what we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. And those are what we call the gospels, the story of Jesus, the time of Jesus, what Jesus did to go around and teach. And part of it is the Christmas story and Mary and Joseph. And then you get to these miracles and some of the teachings and the authority and the crowds really were engaged and the crowds were amazed at Jesus and, and began to talk about like, who is this? And, and wow, this is incredible. And, and the religious leadership were getting jealous and, and all this stuff. And it leads to a point where Jesus was crucified. And it's amazing because what happens is the week that Jesus came into Jerusalem, the first part of that week, the crowd was literally waving palm branches, bowing down and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the crowd was marveling that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey and, and all this stuff. And within days, the crowd turned and instead of saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, what did they say? Anybody? 
yeah, crucify him. Within days, they start with blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there was all this whispering and murmuring about maybe this is the Messiah. Maybe Jesus is the Christ. And then there was all this debate about, well, I don't know. I mean, he comes from Nazareth and all these types of things that that didn't seem to line up with what they thought the Messiah would be. And they were looking for a conquering king. They were looking for a Messiah that would redeem them in the sense of taking them from Roman occupation into being their own people, not subject to another nation above them. And so when Jesus comes in, they're hoping this is the moment. They're hoping this is the beginning of the culmination or the climax of Jesus actually ruling like they had hoped. As days go by, by Friday, the religious leadership had so poisoned the crowd that they began to yell, crucify him. They they began to look at him as a heretic. They began to think that if he's saying these certain things or he's guilty of any of the things they're trying to accuse him of, then absolutely he's blaspheming and he should be killed. So Jesus is crucified and he he dies on the cross and it says he's buried in the tomb. And this is where it gets really interesting because this is the hinge of our faith if we believe at all in the message of Christ. The hinge is Jesus was buried, but on the third day he rose from the dead. Now, I don't know a lot of people that have ever done that, okay? But I do know that if somebody says they're gonna do that and then does it, you should probably listen to what else they have to say. And so here's Jesus and and he pays the price and he dies and he's buried, but, but then he rises from the dead And the disciples marvel at what happens because they see him and they're eyewitnesses of, wait a minute, he was dead. Wait a minute, we saw him get buried in this tomb and now he's not there. And on top of that, we've seen him alive and it's an absolute miracle. And so they realize, wow, this Jesus is the real thing. He really is the Messiah and their eyes are opened to that the Messiah, as Isaiah said, would be a suffering servant. That the first time, he would come, he would come as a suffering servant. The second time, which is still in our future, he will come as a conquering king. And if you've ever read Revelation and understood even a little bit of it, that's kind of that picture in the future. But when we get to Acts, it's the very end of Jesus' ministry after he rose from the dead and the disciples marvel and other witnesses have seen him and they're kind of all freaking out. And he says, well, wait and pray in Jerusalem and that's when you'll receive the Holy Spirit, but I gotta go. And he literally ascends, which I can't even imagine this moment. He ascends into heaven and they're all like, what is going on? And an angel says, well, do do what he's asked you to do. So they go and they're spending time in prayer together and they're trying to figure out where to go from here. And as they're praying in Jerusalem, it's five weeks after the death and burial and resurrection. It's during the feast of what we would call Pentecost. It's an Old Testament tradition that the Jews would gather and celebrate God's provision and harvest. And in the first fruits harvest, that's Pentecost. And so they gather from all over and they're, they're celebrating this Old Testament festival. All the while, the disciples are praying, 120 of them, in an upper room. And it says in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is then poured out. And it says that there was the, the, the blowing of a violent wind in the room and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire come to rest on them and they began to speak in these other languages. And somehow this movement spills out into the streets where again, Jews from all over have gathered and, and they're going, what is going on here? here? What is happening? And at one point we hear the, 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 the glories of God being declared in all these different languages. The beauty of it was you had Jews from all of these other lands that spoke or understood all kinds of other languages. It really was a miracle that only God could put together. And Peter at that point, Peter who denied Jesus five weeks before, Peter who met with Jesus after his resurrection and Jesus says, don't wallow, don't live in shame, don't think you're not still called to be the rock, it's time for you to rise up. You're still called to do what I've asked you to do and be part of the the, the foundation of the church, the first century church. 
And so he's commissioned and he's with Jesus a bunch of times with the disciples and they're in this upper room and this, this thing happens and they're speaking in tongues and it's this crazy deal and it spills out into the street and this is where Peter stands up. And at this point, Peter is not who Peter used to be. Peter is now Peter full of the Holy Spirit. And I love this because when Peter stands up, he, they, 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 people are going, what is going on here? This is crazy. I hear the, the wonders of God being declared in all these different languages. And Peter says, or somebody says, well, they're probably just drunk, okay? And, and Peter's like, no, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. I've said before, another sermon for another day, okay? <laughs> but Peter says, they're not drunk like you think. This is what God had said. This was prophesied about, and he brings up from the Old Testament a guy named Joel that had a picture of the future and said someday the Holy Spirit is not just gonna be something that, that, that fills the temple. The Holy Spirit is not just gonna be for the priests and Levites that, that, that gather and do their thing. The Holy Spirit is gonna be poured out on everybody, on men and, and women, on young and old, on, on all, the, all kinds of people. As, as one pastor says, it's an all skate. It's for everyone. And so Peter says, this is for everybody. But then he preaches an amazing message in Acts chapter two, where he goes back and he's saying this to all the people that have gathered for this festival. He says, men of Israel, people of Israel, this is exactly what God had in mind. And this Jesus whom at first you said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then you began to curse and say, crucify. He is who you think he is. And this Messiah that was, that was told about is exactly this Jesus. He is the Messiah. And so if you read some of these verses, it says in verse um, 23, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Again, how God orchestrated all of this. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But, and verse 24 is a big deal, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit because he talks about David and this, this other stuff that comes up from, from the Psalms. And then it says, I can tell you confidently, verse 29, that, that the patriarch David died and was buried in a tomb. And he literally is going in a tomb over here because David was buried in the city of Kings. Okay, so David was buried right over here. And then he says in verse 30, but David was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Jesus was in the lineage of David. It's a similar promise to what God said to Abraham way back in the very beginning. If you open your Bible, the first book you're gonna find is Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. And in chapter 12, God said to Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna make you a nation and, and all nations on earth eventually are gonna be blessed through you. And thousands of years later, we stand here, we sit here, understanding many of us the whole picture of the message. But, but when he received that promise, he reiterated it to David. David, because you're a man after God's own heart, somebody from your lineage, which by the way, David was in the lineage of Abraham, in your lineage is gonna be, somebody's gonna bless the entire earth. And so if you read what he's saying, that's what he's talking about. He says in verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. And Peter says it again. God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out now what you see and hear. So Peter takes him on this long journey and a brief message of all that God had done, all that God had promised, how faithful God was in the midst of this whole conversation. 
He says, this is only God. Only God could orchestrate this, and Jesus is the Messiah. And then he says in verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter's response is a response I wanna make sure that we understand today. Repent, everybody say repent, and be baptized. Peter said that they go, we hear you, Peter. We believe you. So they go from blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him. And now back to, oh my word, if it's true that we should have kept blessing him and not cursing him, then, then, then what do we need to do about this? We got a problem. And it's the problem that is an all of humankind problem. It's the problem of what sin does in our own hearts. And according to what the writers of scripture have to say, those that believe on who Jesus is, the issue of sin is what separates your life from the life of a holy God. But understanding the curse of sin, it's that God cared so much. Many of us have heard John 3, 16 before. For God so loved mankind, God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. If you wanna find that forgiveness, if you want that reconciliation between you and a holy God, but sin is a separator, the reminder is Jesus came to pay that price. Jesus came to deal with your sin and my sin that we could be made right. And the people in the crowd say to Peter, what do we need to do? We believe you. And his response is repent and get in a life group. And there's nothing wrong with getting connected in a life group and in the community with people. Repent and go to pizza with the pastor someday. Because you don't have pizza yet, but someday they will. Repent and click on some give link and give some money. Repent and what? Read the Bible, repent, fill in the, all fine things. But that's not what Peter said. Peter said, repent and what? Be baptized. And so when we talk about baptism on a day like today, and I'm so passionate about it for a reason, because when you hear the work of the Holy Spirit in the human heart and people being transformed by that, it's inspiring and encouraging. But when you hear those stories that you're gonna hear in a little bit, my hope is it it, it echoes what's being said here. I understood that I was a mess and did my thing. I understood the sin is a problem in our world, in my own life. But when I realized who Jesus is, I could be forgiven. Repent and be baptized. What is baptism? First of all, the word baptism, by definition, means to be immersed. So I realize that in certain contexts, there's sprinkling and things like that, but we believe wholeheartedly in immersion. And the reason is, in part, because when Paul writes of what baptism means in Romans 6, he says that we're laying our lives down symbolically. He says it this way, in the watery grave of baptism. And the symbolism there is clear. When people in a little bit here are gonna line up and take this step and we're gonna baptize them, you see them go down in the water, the picture is they're laying their lives down. They're laying their own wills down. They're laying their own agendas and the things that are sin in their lives. They're laying those things down and symbolically coming up as new in Christ. So that's part of the picture of baptism, but what else is it? Baptism is the outward declaration of what God has done in Christ in the human heart. It's saying, I identify with Jesus. I identify with what he's done. I believe in that message. And and I wanna take that step to make sure that I'm proclaiming in front of people, I'm a Jesus follower. 
It's a celebration. It's a party. I've said before, baptism Sundays are the most fun because it is a party. It's celebrating death to life. It's why I challenge you that every moment that we're going to baptize somebody, as somebody comes up out of the water, let's cheer. Let's celebrate new life in Christ. But what else is it? And this is the way I like to say it. We believe baptism is the only biblical next step for those who follow Christ. If you've given your life to faith in Christ, but since that decision, you've yet to be water baptized, that's what's next. I make a joke earlier. Can you get in a life group? Yeah. Read the Bible? Sure. Want to give something? Fine. You can do all these other things, and those are great things, but the only biblical next step for those who follow Christ is water baptism. And I want to challenge anybody in the room that if you've made that decision, but you've yet to be water baptized, we're all about removing every excuse. And I make a joke about this every time, but some of you came in dry and you need to leave wet. You didn't even know it. You showed up going, I don't know what's going to happen. And we're going to do something. And that's what we do. And then we're going to leave. But some of you, you've given your life to faith in Christ, but you've yet to be water baptized. I want to challenge you that today's your day. It's about getting out of comfort zones. It's about setting aside excuses. It's why when you walked in, if you're new, you saw men and women, and some people thought, oh, men sit over here, women sit over here. That's not what it is. It's because we so desperately want you to take steps in your faith, and this is a next step, that we literally, in the back room over here, created dressing rooms, and we've got every size of shirt and shorts. And the same is true over here for gals. And if you're here today and you hear me say the only biblical next step and you go, man, I've, I've given my life to Christ. I, I've, I've prayed that prayer, but I've yet to since then be water baptized. Today's your day. In a few moments, I want to challenge you to get out of your seat, get out of your comfort zone and take that step because it's what God desires of us, taking steps of faith, that we don't stay where we're at. And so if you're a guy in here in a few moments, I want to challenge you, take a step. If you're a gal in here, I want to challenge you to take a step. And I love how every single Sunday that we do a baptism like this, people go, I, I had to. I knew it was my next step. And so in a few moments, as people are, are signed up and they're going to line up here in, in a little bit, I'm going to challenge you to get out of your seat and, and, and remove every excuse. And go, I just want to be about taking a step. And this is as clear as one can be for you. So I want to pray. But before I do that, it's the reminder that Peter said, repent and be baptized. And later on in that text, it literally goes on to talk about, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter literally is talking about us right there. And then it says, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In other words, deal with the sin. And listen to verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Repent, be baptized. Wait, the same day? Sure. It's the same story in Acts 8. I shared it six months ago with baptism. Philip on the road. And the Lord impresses upon him to go next to a chariot for some reason, just walking along the road. And he sees his chariot. He walks up to it because he feels like the Holy Spirit says. And the guy's reading Isaiah 53. 800 years before Jesus comes along, he's reading about this suffering servant. And Philip goes, hey, do you know what you're reading? I don't understand anything. So he says, let me explain it to you. He gets in the chariot. They're, they're driving along in this chariot. And, and he explains, this is about Jesus. This is the whole story of what happened a little while ago in, in Jerusalem, in this crucifixion, and Golgotha, and all that. And what happens? They go by this, this body of water of some sort. And what, what, what goes on? 
the guy says, well, why couldn't I, you know, commit my life to faith and get baptized right now? And Philip's like, bingo. I want to challenge any person in this room that if you've given your life to faith in Christ, but you've yet to be water baptized, today's your day. Get rid of the reasons why you shouldn't, why you can't. Believe on what God has done for you in Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray and we're going to prepare and, and we got some different individuals and volunteers and key people to, to, to do baptisms. And um, I'm super excited. There's a few, every time that, that there's a certain connection where I get to go, man, that's so fun. And, and that's going to happen in a little bit. But as I pray, and once I say amen, like I said, we're going to line up and some people are already going to get baptized. But if you're here today and you hear what I'm saying and you know the Holy Spirit is challenging you, then I want to say, get out of your seat. And don't, don't make an excuse for why you shouldn't get out of your seat and take a step. If you're a guy, just head this direction. We've got somebody that'll help you out and then there's dressing rooms back there. If you're a gal, same is true over here. Jesus, today, I'm so grateful. God, just for what you do in the human heart, that when we talk about in a series, this is church. The church is not the building. The church isn't even a gathering like this as, as sort of you know individual. The, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the people and the, the people are the stories. And I'm so excited to be able to hear some of those stories. And I ask for your grace and, and your work and your power to overwhelm each person that's gonna take a step. And I pray we would celebrate with all that's going on in every heart. But I also ask God that people wouldn't leave here going, ah, I probably should have. And instead of being a, a shoulda, but instead they go, you know what I did? I took a step today. And I pray that your spirit would work, that I can try to say it as clear as I can. But I pray that your spirit would arrest human hearts, draw them to taking a step of faith today, removing every excuse. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.